Welcome, gentle listeners, to the latest edition of Lifeline Theaters on the Air. I'm Alicia Duncan, Artistic Director. This December, we bring you a world premiere, a serialized adaptation of the life and adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum, best known as the author of The Wonderful World of Oz. This book tells the story of how an abandoned babe becomes a beloved icon dedicated to bringing joy to the children of the world. In last week's episode, the immortals of the world congregated in the Laughing Valley because word had come that Klaus, a child found abandoned, was reaching the end of his life. Having done so much good in the world, the immortals gathered to tell the story of the life and adventures of Santa Claus so that it would be remembered for all eternity. Ak told the story of finding the babe and the nymph Nassil recounted her experiences raising a mortal child. We ended part one as Ak asked a now grown Claus to join him on his travels around the world so Claus would have a better understanding of the world he came from. We now rejoin the story of the life and adventures of Santa Claus, Part 2, Manhood. Hot lava! Step on up to warm yourself! Thank you, Gnome King! Well-spoken, King of the Sound Imps. Well, Ack, shall we get on with it? Yes, I'm ready to continue the story of Claus, or, as he is known to the mortal world, Santa Claus. We had been in the great forest of Berzee. Claus had just turned 18 mortal years, and I was going to show him humanity and where he came from. So, he placed his hand on my arm, and we walked into the world. Mighty Ack, look, look at them all. There are so many... People. People. People who are just like me. Well, they are your people, but there are differences between you. What are you, Claus? Flying? Not what are you doing. What are you? Well, I know. I'm Claus. I was raised by the nymphs. I live in the great forest of Burzee. Yes, but what are you, Claus? I don't know. No, you don't. And that is the purpose of you joining me, to answer that question. And only you can answer it. It is the most important decision you can make. As a human, you can make a choice. The rest of us, the immortals, we came into being fully formed and with our tasks. You can choose what you want to do with your life. And do you know why? Because I'm human. Well, humans have free will, but that is not always the same as a choice. We have a year together, Claus. You don't have to answer now. There is no shame in not knowing an answer, only in ignoring the question. I obviously have much to learn. Who will be my teachers here? In order to have my protection, we must remain separate from the mortal world. You can observe and ask me questions. And always be asking yourself, what am I? 
Ack, how many humans are there? Oh, the number is constantly changing and growing. For more are born every day, and some die every day. Die? Like the flowers and trees? Yes, Claus. It's what being mortal means. You live your lives, and one day they will end. What do people do in the meantime? Well, like you, when they are young, they are hopefully given the grace to learn how to survive in the world in which they live. Like speaking with the animals, or how to infuse the flowers with colors. No, Claus. You are the only mortal who has been taught those things. The immortals already know them, and you are the only human ever to step into the great forest of Berzee. Human lives are relatively short. It doesn't feel so when they are young like you, but their entire existences are shaped on the basis that those existences will end. How? Some peacefully, after many, many years of living. Some quickly. Some painfully. Some after a long illness. Master Ack, I always was given the impression that Nasil saved me from something. Since I have never known danger, I never quite fully understood what that meant. When you were a babe, you were left at the edge of the known world. Left? Just... Left alone? Yes. To what end? Who can say, Claus? Perhaps to be found, perhaps... Perhaps... to die. Perhaps. But you didn't. Instead, I found you. I gave you my protection, and Nasil chose to raise you. Why? Well, Nasil had her own reasons. For myself, it's always been my way to help those who can't help themselves in some way. When the natural suffering goes beyond moderation, I try to do some small thing. Natural suffering? The mortal world always carries some level of suffering. All they can hope for is that it is in moderation. Claus, you have been raised free of that suffering. In the great forest of Brzee, you remained untouched by the trials of the natural mortal world. You have never been too hot or too cold or hungry or scared. That makes you unique. I had no idea. I know. You had the childhood I wish all children could have. It is my personal belief that every child deserves to be happy. That the happiness of childhood can help them make the world a happier place. That to teach love is to make the world a loving place. And mortal lives are so short. The time when you are a child is so fleeting. And many children are born into poor circumstances. Once, not long ago, I found four poor children huddled in a wooden hut, slowly freezing to death. Why don't they live where there is no ice? As I said, having free will doesn't always mean choice. Some people are born where it is cold, and some people are born where it is hot. And some people believe that you can own the land you are standing on, and hoard it and not let anyone live on it. Surely there is enough for everyone. Surely. But the fact that their lives are temporary, it can lead to greed. Greed? It's when someone wants more of something, regardless of their needs or their needs of those around them. But there is no balance there. That is the condition of the mortal world, Claus. 
a decided lack of balance. The natural order doesn't come naturally to them. Once again, free will and choice. Humans have to choose balance, which means they can also choose not to have balance. They can choose to be fair or not to be fair. No, where was I? Sorry. Four children. Freezing. Yes, these four children were freezing. Their parents had been forced to go to a neighboring village for work to buy food. Buy food? Yes, Claus. In the mortal world, people have to work in order to make money to provide for their children. Why don't they just find the food like I do? You were taught the ways of the forest, something not all mortals know. Your life has been a parade of gift after gift. This is what I am trying to get you to understand. You have had an idyllic childhood and have been the beneficiary of the whims of immortals. Now where was I? The parents had to go to work. Yes, the parents went to a neighboring village because they needed to work. But they left a fire for the children to keep them warm until they could return. But a storm rose and drifted snow in their path and they could not easily make their way back home. They were delayed and the fire went out and the frost crept into the bones of the children. What did you do? I called my assistant Nelko and bade him fetch wood from my forests and breathe upon it until the fire blazed again. Then they were warm and safe and the parents returned and none were the wiser. That was very kind of you, Ak. Imbalance upsets me. I truly believe that humans can make the world a better place, but they have to be taught to do so. And because they live in constant fear of the end of their lives, it's easy to become short-sighted. It is so easy to become fixated on the downsides of mortality that they forget the benefits. What benefits? Sometimes things mean more because they don't last. Tell me, Claus, have you enjoyed your perfect existence? I... You never thought about it much, did you? No. It's just how I have always known it. Nasil tells me you have been wandering far and wide, speaking with animals and nymphs and other immortals. Yes. Why? Because I was curious. You seemed driven. Did you know you were mortal? That your time is limited to a certain amount of days? Nobody ever said as much to me. But you knew it. Somewhere. Somewhere I must have. This connection to your mortality, even in such idyllic circumstances as yours, it shapes you. Mortals are shaped like someone might shape the clay of a riverbed into jugs in order to carry water. And some of those events rob a child of the chance to become shaped to hold things. What I am about to show you next is terrifying. But it is also a part of the human condition as it now stands. Remember, you are safe from physical harm. But what you see will change you. I'm ready. What? What is this? This is what the humans call war. When their fear of not having enough overcomes them, they convince themselves that the only way to get more is to kill and to take it from someone else. This is greed? Greed is certainly a part of it. Fear another? 
Sometimes it's because a person looks different or believes something different. People have also attacked others because of who that person loves. I don't understand this. They're just destroying each other. If life is so short and precious, why aren't they all helping each other? When life can be measured, people find ways to measure it. Some choose to do so in who they keep precious in their lives. Others do so by what they can accumulate. Some people see only their own life as precious, while others are expendable for their happiness or security. But there is no balance in that. No, there isn't. And imagine what your life would be like if that was the situation you were born into. Who would you be now if your only experiences to this point had been want, need, destruction, and loss? What shape would you be now? How much water can a broken jug carry? Hold on. Where are we now? This is a house of the sick. The children in there were born to poverty and never had a chance to know anything different. Children are born into the world, and beyond any power of choice they have, the circumstances of the parents determines their lot. And those parents were born into the world in the same way. Some children are carefully tended and clothed in silks and dainty linen. Others are neglected and covered with rags. But... Yes? But they are just children. Yes. And it's a grace if they can have a few years before the doom of mankind overtakes them. When they find struggle and worry work and fret to gain the wealth that men have deemed so important. You, Claus, have lived a life free of such worries and expectations. So I am an outsider. I am human, but raised in the forest of Burzee. But everyone else in the forest is immortal, and I am human. But I am not of the humans. What are you, Claus? I am... Alone. I... I never felt alone before. Different, but never alone. The human experience is chaotic and loud and dangerous. If man is born to perish, why is he born? Claus, I'm going to tell you something that not even the immortals of the forest know. One day, even all of this will end. The immortals don't realize this because they have always been and cannot imagine not being. But eventually, everything ends. But while life lasts, everything on Earth has its use. The wise seek ways to be helpful to the world, for the helpful ones are sure to live again. It's a choice that every human makes in some way. Things will end. So do I act as if nothing matters since it all ends and live a life of self-service and greed? Or do I say since it all ends, everything matters and work to make life better for everyone? Our travels continued. We visited every corner of the world watching farmers toil and warriors dash into cruel fray and people buying and selling and everywhere we went, 
claws sought out the children in love and pity, for the thought of his own helpless infancy was strong within him. It broke his heart not to be able to reach out to them. The kindness of the nymphs had shaped him, and his brow was creased with deep thought at the end of our journey. We returned to the great forest. Oh, Claus! Happy budding day! That was the longest year I have ever felt. We all... Oh. What is it, Mother? I see you. You are a man now. The joyous, smiling boy is no more. You are Claus, the man now. I have seen so much, things I never considered before. I have been blissfully ignorant. And what are you, Claus? Great Ack, I am privileged. I was raised free from worry, hunger, illness, and war. I have only known love and support. I have never experienced want or need, and more so, never considered them for others. And now I know that makes me different than any other human in the world. I have looked upon man, doomed to live for a brief space upon the earth, to toil for the things he needs to fade into old age and then to pass away. Mother, Master Ack told me that humans have a choice to make. I believe it is the mission of humans to leave the world better in some way than they found it. And as a human, that is my mission. And not one I can do here where existence is perfect. Having seen the world, my heart is now doubly filled with love and gratitude for the childhood you gave me. It is now up to me to help make life better for others. And that means leaving the forest of Burzee and going into the world of humans. What will you do? I have been considering this. I must devote myself to the care of the children of mankind, try to make them happy. Since your own tender care when I was a child brought me to happiness and strength, it is just and right that I devote my life to making children happy. Thus will the memory of love be planted within the hearts of the young, and hopefully they will carry that love forward and shape the world into something more loving. Life is finite, and therefore everything matters. Good choice, Claus. I'm proud of you. And I'm proud you recognize your fortune and want to share it. I too am proud, my son. But I will miss you terribly and worry about you constantly. As an adoptive child of the forest and the playfellow of the nymphs, you have gained a distinction which forever separates you from other humans. Therefore, you shall retain the protection of the forest. In any need, you may call upon the nymphs, the rills, the nooks, and the fairies, and they will serve you gladly. I, the master woodsman of the world, have said it, and my word is the law. I shall never be able to repay or forward all of the generosity. Protected by these kind friends, I will try very hard to do my duty, and I know the forest people will give me their sympathy and help. We will. Mother... The world is big, but men are everywhere. I shall begin my work near my friend, so that if I meet with misfortune, I can come to the forest for counsel or help. I would like that. When do you go? 
I suppose right now I have a lot of work to do. Yes, you do. But I think you can stay for one more budding day celebration before you go. Oh, yes, please. I would love that. Thank you. And so the chalice was passed, and another budding day festival occurred. And at the end of it, Nasil and I walked Claus to the edge of the forest. Claus, to aid you in the world, take this axe and these woodworking tools. Thank you, Great Ack. And take this. Mother, you're squeezing too hard. Never forget, Claus. You will be loved forever. I could never forget. I love you, Mother. And I love you. And with that, Claus set off into the world of humans. He found himself here, in the Laughing Valley of Hohaho, and decided to make his home. He spent the first day gathering the fallen trees, since he would never cut into a living tree, and began shaping them into equal lengths for which to build a house, but... It seemed like a lot of work. What's that, Prince of the Nooks? We nooks, who were just as fond of Claus as the nymphs, riddles, and fairies, we saw how much work he did, and we thought, well, maybe we'll just move all the logs into place for him, because that's a lot of work for one person. And once we got the materials there, well, it went a lot faster than we thought it would. We decided it would be good to get a decent foundation going, and before you knew it, we were really in a decent rhythm. And before we knew that... His entire home was built. And fully stocked. What is that, Prince of the Rills? We saw the Nooks building the home, and we knew that as a child of the forest, one in tune with nature, that he could not plow the earth and destroy our flowers. So we filled his cupboards with food and his chests with clothes for him to fit into human society. He woke up the next morning to the home we stand outside of right now. And a cat. What, Nook? We left him a cat, so he wouldn't be alone. Well, hello there. Look at all of this. I'm going to have a hard time repaying the kindness shown to me if it keeps showing up by the bucketful. Thank you, friends. I recognize your handiwork anywhere. Well, I suppose that since I don't have to build myself a house or work a farm, I can get to work on how to help the children. This was indeed the question, because his mission was twofold. Not only did he want the children to be happy in the moment, but he wanted that happiness to become the ember on which the bonfire of goodwill was created. What could he do to accomplish that? Of course, it would be helpful if I actually met a child. Well, the only child I ever met was myself. And I was already happy because the nymphs made sure of that. Perhaps I should look for people. So Claus asked the ants and the beetles and the butterflies where one could find some humans. And they directed him to a village down the path out of the valley to plains beyond. The village was small, but teeming with children. So he approached an adult because even the great beasts of Burzee, who live in relative safety, fiercely protected their cubs. And he wished to alarm no one. Greetings, friend. Stranger. Is this your village? Well, I live here, but it don't belong to me. That's my house. That's my farm. That's what's mine. Everything else belongs to other people. Are those your children? 
Why are you asking? We don't like strangers coming around asking about our kids. I understand, and I don't wish to remain a stranger. First of all, hello. My name is Klaus. I live in the Laughing Valley. I just moved in, and I wanted to know, is there anything I can do to help the children of your village? To do what? Pardon? Help them to do what? Oh, well, not necessarily to do anything, just to help them. Well, we ain't looking for farm hands. Well, that's good, because I'm sure I would be terrible at it. I mean, is there anything I can do to improve the lives of your children? Make them happy. <laughs> what do you mean, happy? What they got to be happy about? I suppose that's my point. Why shouldn't they be happy if they can? Why shouldn't I be happy if I can? Why shouldn't you? What? Because I have to work. Do you remember any happiness from when you were young? <laughs> I don't know. What kind of question is that to ask a person? Uh, maybe when I was really young. I mean, really, really young. But pretty much since I can hold a hoe, I've been working this farm. Don't you wish you had a wonderful memory of happiness to keep in your heart? Something that you could remember and reflect on and bring joy into the present moment? Well, sure. That is all I wish to give. I'll tell you what. That square there, in the middle of your village, I will be there every day to entertain all the children too young to work. That way they can experience some happiness and you can be free to work. And everyone can see what's going on. Why? So they can be happy. I ain't paying for it. I can't pay you. And you don't have to. Hmm. Right there in the square? Right there in the square. And uh, it's free, you say? Free, gratis. What? Yes, free. Huh. Well, I'll consider it. And Claus went around to the other farmers and made the same offer and had almost exactly the same conversation at every farm. And then he went to the middle of the square to wait. He could see the people looking at him, wary to approach. So he picked up three rocks and began to juggle. Then he balanced on a shovel handle stretched across two boxes and all sorts of feats until he was surrounded by laughing children. And then he began telling them the stories of his childhood, of the denizens of the great forest of Burzee, of Nasil and Shigra, of the nooks, rills, nymphs, and fairies, of the lessons he learned. So the first gifts he ever gave were those of entertainment, stories, and knowledge. And the children were happy when he would arrive. And even the adults would sometimes stop by for a moment or two. And they would remember the moments of joy from their own childhoods. And for a moment, their hearts would be lighter. All this went on until one day, Claus woke up to find the Laughing Valley filled with snow, and he was unable to pass. What am I supposed to do now? About what? Who are you? Why, I am Jack Frost, winter imp and deliverer of snow, nipper of noses and toeses. Hello, my name is Claus. I, uh... Oh, we all know about Claus, raised in the great forest of Brzee. Well, how much longer is this going to go on? Oh, winter is just beginning. The valley won't be passable until spring. Spring? But what about the children? 
Oh, don't worry about the children. I will be there to nip their little noses. Don't do that. Why not? They are helpless. But I love to nip the tender ones. The older ones are tough and tire my fingers. The young ones are weak and cannot fight you. I make no promises. The winter is long and I am who I am. But I need to go to the village to help the children be happy. Oh, it's much too cold. The village is shut in on itself for the winter. Now people are just going about the day-to-day business of surviving until spring. But that's when they need me the most. When the days are short and the nights are long, that's when it's easiest to lose hope and forget your happiness. I don't know what to tell you, Claus. Winter comes and winter goes. It's what always happens. Then what can I do to help when the valley becomes impassable? Indeed. What could Claus do? What could I do about what? Claus! We didn't mean to wake you. It's all right. Hard to sleep through the rising of hot lava. Sorry. We were cold. No need to apologize, Your Majesty. The Laughing Valley does indeed get cold in the winter. Why, look at all of you. Isn't this wonderful? What brings the immortals of the world to my doorstep? I asked them to come, Claus, to see you. See me? Why? Oh, I suppose I know why. It's time, isn't it? Yes. Oh, oh, I see. I mean, I knew it would. I'm just... I was really proud of my work this year. I'm just sorry I won't get a chance to share it. Claus, we were just out here sharing your story. Perhaps you would care to take over the narrative. Why? Because we are immortal, son. If we know your story, then your story will also be immortal. Even in my old age, your kindness continues. Let me grab my coat. The king of the sound imps is right. He seems quite well. I know, but it is still his time. I'm pleased that he gets to tell you the rest of the story himself. I need a moment. It is hard to see him like this and knowing. We will continue when Claus is ready. The night is barely begun. Tonight's episode was produced by Lifeline Theater and Sound Concept Media. It was adapted and directed by Lifeline Ensemble member Christopher Ainsworth and features the talents of Manny Tamayo as the Gnome King, Patrick Blagel as Ak, the Great Woodsman of the World, Heather Curry as the Nymph Nassil, Peter Greenberg as the Prince of Nooks and the Farmer, Andres Enriquez as the Prince of Rills, Anthony Kerr as Jack Frost, and Bilal Dardai as Klaus. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear about future projects. You can support our podcast at patreon.com backslash lifeline theater. Please join us next week as the life and adventures of Santa Claus continues in part three, The Toymaker. From all of us at Lifeline, we wish you a safe and happy holiday season.